Thanks for downloading this podcast from RNIB Connect Radio. For many charities, volunteers are the lifeblood which helps them deliver essential frontline services. Now, RNIB, the UK's leading sight loss charity, has many volunteers in many, many different roles. Well, we thought we'd find out a little bit more about that. And we have with us Michael Paxman. Michael, thank you very much for joining us. No problem at all, Anna. Nice to be here. We're really reliant on on volunteers and in certain areas and services they simply couldn't operate without them. We know we need to reach more customers and volunteering is one of the main growth areas we've got available to us and it's not just as simple as as you know just expanding a workforce. It's about reaching into different communities and reaching further than we currently can do. So as an organisation we've only got sites in relatively few of the really big cities around the UK but we've got volunteers spread all over the United Kingdom so in terms of helping people in their local communities we can do that much more effectively with volunteers. Some of the services that we have at the minute simply couldn't operate without volunteers so our entire national campaigns network relies on volunteers. Every sooty box you ever see or or, um, drop a penny in across the United Kingdom is placed, collected and the money is banked entirely by volunteers. Every talk and support session hosted by a volunteer, every technology support squad and online today visit is carried out by a volunteer. So we really are completely in debt to the time that the public give us as volunteers. There may be people listening who are thinking about volunteering and it sounds as if RNIB has a a huge area in which they could get involved in many, many different ways. Yeah, absolutely. And when people say, what can I do? It's actually quite a difficult question to give them the full picture because across the whole of the organisation at the moment, I think we've got 140 different options that we're currently looking for people to, to do. But really... The, the main kind of themes that those options sort of fall into that we really, really need people to help us support with at the moment are increasing the support for people to access technology that helps them to live independently, um, access information independently. That's really important. There's a, a, a really, really big demand for peer support volunteers of many different guises so that is all about blind and partially sighted people passing on their experiences and helping support people who are going through similar changes in their life that maybe they've been through before fundraising as i've already mentioned it's a huge army of volunteers that we need to to fundraise for us so that we can provide the services that we need and build the infrastructure that we need to support our customers. And then as well, we really need to get more volunteers into our back office functions too, so that as much of our resources as possible can be concentrated on the front line. So there's a bit of an example as to to what you might be able to do for us. We think of volunteering, I suppose people could could think of people who are retired as well. They've got some time on their hands, they're they're looking to get involved in something. But more and more now, you're looking at people who are perhaps studying or or those even who are looking for work at the moment. Volunteering can be a valuable tool. Absolutely, yeah. And the... And the makeup of the, you know, the traditional volunteer is changing. It's evolving really, really quickly. So more and more we're seeing people 
who want to volunteer because of employability reasons or they want more flexible volunteering to fit around their, their work or their study. Volunteering for people who are looking for work is a, is a pretty well-researched topic and by and large it's, you know, it's pretty well accepted in the sector and academically as well that it can be a real bonus in terms of employability. I won't bore you with the statistics but I wanted just to quickly share a story of a guy called uh, Rory. It's a, a real example. Um, Rory's partially sighted and he, he came to us as a volunteer. When he joined us, he was, he was finding it really tough to, to leave the house and he didn't have much confidence to use public transport and he hadn't used a computer since his, his diagnosis. He joined us as one of our office volunteers here in Judd Street. Slowly but surely, he, he built his skills up he got used to Zoom text and he got used to traveling on the tube to volunteer regularly. And almost by osmosis, his confidence grew. And this is something that we see all the time with our, with our volunteers. Roy left us uh, six months ago, but it's a really positive story because he now works in, in local government. And he is absolutely convinced that the experience and the, the, the confidence and the structure and the routine that volunteering gave him was one of the main reasons why he that could then, you know, move into employment. It sounds as if it's uh, almost like a skill swap, if you like. The volunteers bring perhaps experience and skills in certain areas, but they can build and develop new ones. Yeah, absolutely. It's a real balanced relationship. That's the only way volunteering works. You know, you've got to make sure that the organisation is benefiting and our customers are benefiting, but on the other side, the volunteer who's giving their time needs to be rewarded as well. And often that is, you know, in gaining skills, gaining experience and gaining confidence as well. And that is something that RNIB is focusing on more now in terms of employability and actually having support structures in place for people to come on board as, as blind and partially sighted volunteers and be supported. You mentioned time there, Michael. What kind of time do volunteers have to give? Is there a minimum or a maximum? Well, that's a that's a really interesting question, Alan. There's a there's a basically there's a huge variation. We've got internships that run three to five days a week for three months, so they're quite short, but they're very intensive. And then our campaigning and fundraising roles, you know, it can be a couple of times a year, and there's everything in between. So I guess. The only way I can answer that one is basically whatever time you feel you want to give. It's about having a conversation with us to find out what roles we've got which match your requirements, your motivations, your skills and your interests. And you mentioned Rory in an example there who, who was partially sighted. So there are openings if you have a visual impairment, even those who are blind. Yeah, absolutely. It's a hugely important area for us. It's something that we want to do better as an organisation to get more and more blind and partially sighted people involved all the way through. There are very few of our volunteering roles that you can't do if you're blind and partially sighted. The driver role is probably the only one I can think of out of the 140 that we've got up <laughs> at the minute. Everything else, I would say, is designed to be accessible for blind and partially sighted people. We've got councils specifically made up of volunteers who are blind and partially sighted. We've got volunteers who are making an enormous difference by passing on their knowledge in terms of the technology that they use in their day-to-day -day life. 
being the ambassadors in terms of campaigning. It's, it's, you know, it's so much more effective for somebody to say, this is directly affecting me and you should change that than it is somebody saying, please change this for this group of customers that you know, I don't represent myself, but I'm employed to. So I think it's, it's incredibly important that we get blind and partially sighted people involved as volunteers. And the barriers, really, we're doing our level best to make sure that they're not there. Michael, perhaps um, there are people listening who are thinking, yep, you know what, I would like to get involved in volunteering. How can they do that? Okay, you've got three options. Our website has a dedicated section to volunteering. You can go on there and get an idea as to as to what kind of roles we're advertising at the moment. And if you're still not certain, then there's an inquiry form on there. You can let us know why you want to volunteer for us or what kind of things you want to do. And we will then use that to start a conversation with you. You can phone us and we'll just start that conversation straight away. The important thing for me ultimately is that if you don't have a hundred percent idea that yes I've seen this opportunity and I'm you know I'm a hundred percent sure this is the one for me if that's not the case then it's about us having a conversation with you about finding the balance between what our customers need and the roles that we've designed to help them and what you as a volunteer want to do and why you want to do it it's www rnib.org.uk forward slash volunteering or you can just go to the home page and follow the links to, to volunteering. Our phone number is 01733 375 450 and the um, email address is simply volunteering at rnib.org.uk Michael Paxman, thank you for speaking with us on RNIB Connect Radio. No problem. Thanks very much, Alan. For more downloads like these, visit rnibconnectradio.org.uk slash podcasts.